0: This is the first time I've ever even publicly been like, yeah, this is exactly what happened. This is how stupid it was, but yet this is how much it affected me at that young age. What basically had happened is that the person who was, I was working with, who I had all the trust and faith in the world in, found a way to implant a virus into Time hell.
1: Welcome to AOL. Welcome to AOL Underground. Please state your handle in the years you were active on AOL.
0: Yeah, my handles when I was active were Surf Kahuna and then Mac Diablo. And years active, gosh, I'm going to say 94, 95 to 97, maybe 98. I think 98 might be pushing it.
1: What's a kahuna?
0: A kahuna is a Hawaiian term essentially for the, the, the chief. Uh, if we, I, the term was actually given to me by my mother. <laughs> I was in fifth grade. I was actually going into fifth grade when I decided to sign up for AOL. So uh, uh, what, 11 years old at the time? And I wanted my mommy's help. <laughs> I was like, what's a cool name? And she's like, oh, it's surf kahuna, like the kahuna of surfing, the big chief awesome guy of, you know, of the village and surfing. But it's not surfing the waves. It's surfing the information superhighway. And I was like, that's cool. And we came up with surf kahuna together. <laughs> but of course, no one got it. Everyone just thought that I actually
1: surfed. I, yeah, actually, that's what I would assume, too. But your mom's really good at coming up with handles. That, that, that's amazing.
0: Yeah, <laughs> she was it. Kindergarten teacher for for many, many years, and part of that is having to be creative. (laughs) So
1: That's cool. Okay, so when did you first use a computer?
0: First time using a computer is going to be, I'm going to say second or third grade. And uh, there's a bit of a a sad undertone here, so pardon that. But my father wasn't around a whole lot. And when he did show up, there were certain things that he would kind of want to expose me to. And whatever those things were, I would run with them for the rest of my life. And one of that, one of those was computers. He went to a, like an adult night class, you know, to learn how to how to do computering, as he used to call it. And I was sitting there learning more than you know than the adults there and loving it. And when I would go over to his place, you know, he would have these buddies who would give him games on floppy disks, and he'd be like, "Here, do something with this." And I'd be like, "All right, cool." And so computers just became a, a big thing. And for many years, I had access, well, excuse me, for maybe a year or two, I only had access at his house. But then, you know, at school, we started doing keyboard typing lessons and stuff like that. I got to like 50 words a minute in fourth grade. Like I was obsessed, just absolutely obsessed from that point forward.
1: Cool. Would you go to talk a little bit about some of the cool stuff you did on the school computers?
0: Yeah, so school computers, it was really in fifth grade where I started kind of, I don't know if the term blossoming really fits here, but what I loved to do was use ResEdit, and that's because most of the computers I was on at the time, I was a Mac user, so I'm sure a number of your listeners right now are like, "Ah, dude, what? <laughs> like, a Mac guy.
1: Well, well for, for those of us that don't, that did not use Mac, what is
0: ResEdit? Yeah, so the Macintosh operating system, the hierarchical file system, HFS, differed completely from FAT, FAT32, or the eventual NTFS back in the day. And the files on your system, especially executables, if you will, and the classic Mac OS system, we're talking macOS 6.x and 7.x, well, up through 8, and 9 also, they used two different forks. In the in the uh, the data stream, basically, one of them was the actual data stream itself, the code stream, and then one of them was what's known as the resource fork. The resource fork is where literally you would have all of the damn like graphics and sounds and even like the menu, the pull down menus, everything you could think of that would be more of like a visual element, right, to the program, tool, utility, whatever it was, would actually be stored on disk in the resource fork. So in that fork, what we ended up with the ability to do is modify all of that with a tool called ResEdit. And I learned about ResEdit from a buddy of mine and who I met uh, in San Jose in the Silicon Valley. We'll get to that, I'm sure, coming up here. And he showed me like, hey, look at these cool things you could do. So I took that. I took that probably the wrong, you know, a little too far. So at school, it would be things like, um, say you launch a, a tool or an application or a game. We had this game called Number Munchers. Any, any. Mac user for my generation should recognize that name right away. Number munchers, oh, you learn math by playing a game with these little guys who munch numbers as you move around the screen. And in number munchers, uh, I basically the first thing I did was modify the file menu. So literally when you execute the application, right, instead of saying file at the top of the screen, it would say, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and so I did that on my school computer, and it probably was not the best idea because... It was obvious who done did it. (laughs) Why was that obvious? Oh, because I was the computer guy already at that time, you know, in fifth grade. I was already that whenever the teacher had issues, she would ask me, like, how do we fix this? And I was always on the computers no matter what. I'd stay in from, you know, recess and just be on the computers and be a computer nerd the whole time. And so,
1: you know. So they just assumed it was you and you were just like, yeah, it was me.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Oh, I always denied it. No, I was young and dumb minded. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about nice perfect but I would I would modify things like you know the resource fork on the old Mac applications you would have literally sound files um and they would be uh snd space was the uh, os type identifier for the resource fork so for anyone listening you can go look up like literally just google resource fork
1: is that like an alternate data stream in windows land
0: Yes, ADS was actually developed as a carryover to offer backwards compatibility with resource forks. That's the why they were built in the first place. Cool. So if you Google resource fork and just go right to the Wikipedia article, then you'll see a designation under resource identifiers. And you'll see that there are four letter identifiers like dialog boxes and a program were stored in a resource fork type of DITL. So if you open ResEdit, and you opened up a Macintosh application and you double clicked on DITL, any dialogue boxes that were in that, that program and that tool, you would see them. You'd be able to modify them, right? The window, what it looked like, the size of the window, the buttons, the name of the buttons. And for that matter, if you knew what you were doing, what code was
1: actually executed when you clicked the buttons. So this is like like a hex edit GUI on steroids or something, right?
0: Yeah. Oh, it was, it's, I can't. I, I got befuddled by my own words. I've never, ever seen any type of tool that provided that ability to modify something in a standard operating system environment, right? It's, it's literally a, a what you see is what you get. It's a WYSIWYG editor for like all the damn things, you know, Windows tools and uh, programs and games and, and malware for that matter. They have resources. You can have resources as they call them embedded, but it's nothing like it was back then. So I would take the, um, you know, the images or graphics and I'd modify them. I had an old quick cam. If anyone remembers the Connectix quick cam. And I it was a grayscale, horrible webcam. Like the first one that we had on in the Mac world, at least. And I would take pictures like around the class. Uh, and I would then like splice them into like some of our, <laughs> our programs and tools. So you randomly just see a classmate when it's supposed to be like some learning program or, you know, something. And it was just really fun. It felt, like I was a hacker, right? Now you look back at it now and you're like, were you a hacker hacker? Well, by the definition of the term, yes, absolutely. Um, you felt like you had this God level access to modify what you wanted. In reality, it was just this really easy and readily available method to you know, kind of screw around with things. And so I, I ran with that, I loved it. And that, that learning how that worked and functioned and then over the years, starting to identify how that's not really the way the world works with most binary executions and most environments, um, but also learning how you can manipulate things today, right? And how the cracking scene has evolved over the years. That's been a big part of what's what's motivated me. And that initially learning about ResEdit and tinkering with it in the classroom is something that I just, oh, I loved it.
1: That That's really cool. And then you said there was a scripting element. Not, not to get too deep into this, but I think I kind of want to. What is the scripting component of it? So ResEdit itself wasn't really scripted. You said you could invoke scripts or something at some point.
0: Oh, so there was the OS type of code, which was the actual functions themselves that made up the program. You could simply manipulate the other resources to point to different bits of code. So if I had a dialog box that would pop up and if I clicked one of three buttons, it would do something. You could alternate those or change those to some other function or bit of code. So essentially, let's say that you had a box that popped up. And this is one of the things I did in my classrooms. If you had a box that popped up and you clicked the button, it said, you know, there's there's one button, right? And that button, when you clicked it would, uh, I don't know, quit the program or let you get to the next screen or whatever, right? You would just basically make that button launch the same window that was just opened. So in other words, there's no damn way to close that window, (laughs) right? So I do stupid things like that and um, just have fun with things. If there were buttons on a window or if there was a... um, a link, not a link, wasn't like really, they weren't really called links back then, but something you clicked on, right? And a tool that would progress, I guess, or or exit or whatever. I would sometimes just remove that functionality so that if you click the button, it wouldn't do anything, you know? <laughs> People would just be stuck, like, oh, I don't get it, what's going on? So it just stupid little things that were fun and gave me this feeling of like, you know, I can control this environment and I, I was enamored
1: with it. So that's really cool you got to manipulate a GUI application, like like I think they call them fat applications today, but like a desktop application, right? And then you found AOL and you started manipulating that. How did you find AOL? Because it seems like then you made programs once you got to AOL too, right? Or so you started manipulating the GUI, as it were,
0: right? I lived in a little kind of farming community, really, when I was younger. And and it was an hour south of San Jose, California in the United States. So the Silicon Valley, you know, um, Saratoga, Cupertino, Sunnyvale, these are all names that folks who have lived there are like, oh yeah, that's right, right in the heart, you know, of Silicon Valley, like Apple's based in Cupertino, you know, and I lived in this little kind of podunk town and then all of a sudden we moved up to San Jose for fifth grade and when I moved there, I met this guy, we were playing roller hockey one day and his name was Gary, he was much older than me, I don't know, three, four, five years older than me, right, I'm 11, so he's like, maybe you're already in high school or at least junior high, And um, he, he, at some point he mentioned, Oh, I do a lot of computer stuff, you know? And I was like, Oh really? You know, I, I like, I love computers and it kind of escalated to, he's like, Hey, have you ever been online? I'm like, what, you know, what are you talking about? (laughs) What the hell's online? What are you you talking about? Online? Um, Online. He showed me BBSs. So we dialed into some BBSs. That's where I really, you know, cut my teeth on like, let's get online. So we were dialing into these BBSs and I was like, what in the world? You can leave messages for people like this is awesome. And freaking I can go download files, you know, like five kilobyte files over, you know, however long. (laughs) And it was just like, this is crazy. You could share games with people like what? Even if it was shareware that you're sharing back and forth, you know, we didn't even have a consistent place to go get shareware. You know, like you had to buy magazines.
1: The shareware was pretty good. Yeah, yeah it was like seven bucks for a magazine to get your disc of shareware, right?
0: Yeah, right. And even back then, was, we're still talking, talking floppy disks mostly to get you know a hold of this stuff. So it opened my eyes to, wow, th- this is just online community. Like we can be, di- we're digitally communicating. And oh, yeah, that eventually led in fifth grade to him showing me AOL and being like, hey, by the way, check this out. So when he was on AOL, he didn't really show me a lot of the the wares scene, if you will. Just we'll just call it the scene. But he spoke about it and he would show me all the cool things that he got from it. And so it got to the point where I would I had this 80 megabyte SCSI 2 external hard drive that was like, oh, I don't know, man, like a, a foot by a foot and a half. Like it was massive. <laughs> I don't know how many inches. It, it was huge. And 80 megabytes. Right. And I would put this in my backpack and I would rollerblade over to his house. And it was actually really funny because, you know, I'm 11 and he's like, I don't know, 14, 15, 16. My mom used to always be like, is he a toucher? (laughs) (laughs) He's not a touch. She used to always be like, why does this older dude always want to hang out with you? And it was very hard for me to describe the fact that he's an absolute, you know, socially inept computer nerd and I love computers, and all he wants is someone to sit there and listen to his dumb computer crap, and all I want in life right now is to listen to his dumb computer crap. It was, oh, man, is it she, you're going to go hang out with Gary again? <laughs> yeah, Gary. <laughs> really you know, funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my buddy. He's my big buddy. <laughs> oh, my God. But I would go over to his house, and then he would just load up crap on, on my hard drive, and I'd take it home. You know, he gave me these, back in the day that, Macintosh system used what are known as extensions and, and control panels. And when the Mac computer would load up, you would actually see as the OS was booting at the bottom of your screen, you would see all the different extensions would literally load up an icon. And on many of our, our scene users' machines, you would see like an entire screen in it. Well, 640 by 40, if that, right, would be loaded with these icons. And they would slowly load in as they were loaded into, into memory, right? So he would give me these cool things. Like there was one where Oscar the Grouch would pop up and sing you a song whenever you would empty the trash can. And it was just this, and again, was that something that was hacking? No, you're just modifying, you're just throwing on an extension that some person wrote, right? It's not that big of a deal. But to me, as I was learning about ResEdit and I was learning about digitally communicating with all these people online, and all of a sudden, I'm making it so that when I empty my trash, I get a little song sung to me by my childhood, (laughs) like, It all just kept interest. You know, I was more and more interested and interested and just wanted to learn as much as I absolutely could. So he would through like he introduced me to Dark Castle. If anyone remembers Dark Castle, the game, it was originally on the Mac. It was just amazing. There are many ports over time. The Sega Genesis eventually had a Dark Castle. There are many people who have fond, fond memories of the game. He introduced me to that, you know, and these were all things that he was getting either from BBSs or from AOL when he started using that and then just sharing with me. He would basically get a bunch of stuff and over a couple of days, I would show up, he would copy it all over to my stuff and then he would sit there and just show it to me. Like, here, check this out. You know, here, have you ever seen Adobe Photoshop? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, look, you can edit stuff. I'm like, what? And it all just, it was like this perfect guide to my computing life, you know, that I obtained by moving up to Silicon Valley and luckily running into this
1: guy. That's so cool to have somebody to, to teach you stuff. Cause if you have to kind of learn it on your own or just like maybe stumble in the chat rooms or something to figure it out, but to actually have somebody there to, to show you that that's really awesome. So I have in my notes here easy script and one click. Can you talk a little bit about that?
0: Yes. So the max scene that we had was not as well first off duh was not as prevalent because you know why would it be in terms of just general market saturation and and whatever the heck so we didn't have yet like you had the chronic on previously right we didn't have tools like those like we didn't have aol get out of here okay but at one point we got aol for free it was called aol number four and it was basically a tool that you would load in and it would allow you to use AOL for free. And DeCronic, by the way, was talking about how he actually invented that whole process on the episode, which was fantastic hearing it from his, his mouth. You know, essentially you're in the free area, but you lose the restrictions because you're no longer having windows that are simply invisible, which <laughs> security wise, like great programming, <laughs> great development, early AOL team, you know, no, no thought to potential tinkering or hacking whatsoever. But AOL for free would get us on to AOL, well, that's cute, for free, probably, hence why it has that name. And over time, the Mac community was seen as less than for many reasons, aside that, you know, our games sucked and we didn't, <laughs> we weren't on PCs with all the cool software, duh. But we didn't really have progs, if you will, whether you want to call it, whatever term you want to use, let's go with progs for now, right? We didn't have them. So eventually we had some things. But eventually, a company called Westcode Software released a tool called OneClick. And OneClick was a tool that would, its whole purpose was automation, right? You could build a palette, as they called it, which would be a little floating window on the screen that you could enable or disable with a hotkey or whatever you wanted. And then in that palette or on those palettes, because you could have multiple loaded, you could then script out activities, So you could basically click on something and then have it perform a series of activities. Well, that scripting methodology was two different engines that were um, interrelated. One of them was provided by Westcode software. It's called EasyScript. And if you actually go to for528.com slash one click, if you go to that link, it actually redirects to a page it's still up and live now. I love it. It's on designright.com, And it's called working with one click. So you can probably just Google working with one click. And it would probably be the very, very top thing you'd see there. If you click on it, you'll see what I'm talking about. This is, this is one click. You see some images and, and things of that nature. So, for anyone listening, if you don't have a visual, I'll kind of walk through the idea of it, right? You generate palettes or other people write palettes, you download those palettes and you use them in certain situations. You would have a palette for MS Word. You would have, well, back then, no, it wasn't MS Word. <laughs> it was more actually Claris Works. That was before it was even um Apple Works, before they bought Claris. So we're I forget what year this is. We're going back in the day. So whatever tool or application you had, you could automate things, right? So, anyways, they're easy script. Was just that. It was easy. It was very easy to use. And the cool thing about EasyScript, aside from the fact that it was, it really, really aimed to be what I guess some folks probably still call a fourth generation programming language, right? Or is it really a programming, you know, a scripting environment? It's meant to be more like English driven, right? Phrases and sentences that, that kind of make damn sense. So if you were to look at the example, that's on the page I mentioned here, right? Working with One Click, the web page is still active on designright.com. There's a section, uh, da, 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 da. what's it called? The the button editor, and right before it, right below it, you see a script, and the script is really simple, right? The first part of it says on mouse up, and then you have indentation, so that's a function, meaning that whenever the mouse goes up, you do that thing, right? And then the next three lines, variable global, the main file. The main file equals process.selection call process finder drag end mouse up. So in other words, it and the next part, the drag and drop is calling process finder drag. So it's enabling integration with Apple script, technically, that Apple had provided. And for many years back then, most people had no idea how to use it or, or what the heck it was. But it was Apple's automation scripting utility and 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 things of that nature on a current day macintosh computer it's the uh literally just go to automation the application and then that's apple script that's how you design automation right so this script not only was it easy to use but they had a a tab and you can see it on this website right there's a tab called script and on script you would then see all the different basically functions or methods if you will that were available inside easy script Right. And they're all like there's one called button. And if you provide a button and then whatever parameters button wanted, you know, and they would just define, and it was very well documented, right? Here's how you make a button. Here's what that button can do, right? On click and then assign that to the button. Now the click that so for anyone who's done old VB form design, you're like, yeah, I get it, dude. <laughs> I get it. It's it's VB for the Mac, basically, right? Is what it is. So VB34 status. And so this particular tool. I don't know who came up with it. I don't know who it was in the community in in the Mac scene who was like, hey, we're going to do this now, right? I don't know what the first tool was. I I tried to research it. I can't find it. If anyone in the AOL scene, if anyone who listens to this, if anyone in the re-AOL community, whatever, knows or can find out, that would be awesome. But someone at some point was like, hey, I made this tool, but you have to download this software, right? So then everyone started ripping off one click, you know, And that became the norm. And it very quickly became the norm because by the time I heard about it and I was like on, you know, in the scene every damn day for hours. By the time I heard about it, there were already like four or five different random palettes floating around. And so using EasyScript, we then had the ability to integrate with AppleScript. And then on top of that, if we wanted to make any type of cutesy little modification to the AOL client itself, we would use ResEdit and then there were a couple different patching programs back in the Mac days. And there were, ResEdit even had a native method to do it. So I could take ResEdit, I could open up the AOL 3.0, 2, I think this is more the 2.0, right? Days. I also think my years active may have been off. I don't remember. <laughs> I was in fifth grade, whatever year that was. I think it's around 94-ish, 93, 94. You would basically go in the client, make modifications in ResEdit, save a patch of that, provide the patch, and provide your palette. And then that way, the people who want to use it could apply your patch to their AOL client, and then the AOL client would look as though it's been, you know, modified with all this cool other new stuff. But really, it's just resource fork editing in a visual, cute little tool where you just go double click and you just like, you know, this doesn't no longer says AOL Help Menu now it says you know AOL will burn or you know whatever. And these palettes over time. Became more and more advanced. And you know, let, let's be honest, the Mac scene is very similar to how I see the Windows development process these days in terms of security features. It all came from Windows, it all it all came from the, the Windows scene, right? The PC scene as, as they were called back in the day. These days, Microsoft doesn't uh, engineer a lot of their security protections. They get them from the Linux kernel crew. That's who makes them. And then they go, Oh, that's cool. <laughs> and they just rip it. And they're like, Oh, we're gonna do that in our operating system. That's pretty much what we did. So as these palettes started coming out and as folks like myself who are really interested in, you know, saying programming or development and knowing what I know now as a programmer, right? It's like, come on, dude, were you really a programmer? But back then, yeah, hell yeah, you were. Absolutely you were. So being able to manipulate other people's palettes is what immediately drew my attention. And part of that was because there it was so often that there was no damn QA on these things. I mean, first off, they're probably all other fifth grade, sixth grade, you know, 11 and 12 year old kids doing this. Some of the folks like the chronic was a, a couple of years older than, than my generation. And so he had a more stable foundation, and a better head in his shoulders than, you know, an 11 or 12 year old kid. But when these things would come out, when things would not work, my immediate thing was, well, that's stupid. Let's fix it. And then i'd fix it and then i would just use it and be like okay cool you know and then eventually i got to the point where i was annoyed because you'd have to have five or six loaded to do the things you wanted to do so why not make my own (gasps) yeah and then that's kind of what
1: kicked that off so you decided that you were going to make your own palette and group of scripts that went with that palette and create a patch could you have a palette inside the AOL client or you could just manipulate? I guess you would use ResEdit to manipulate the AOL client and then you'd have your kind of palette on the side with all of your functions.
0: Yep, that's it. Yeah, the palette itself would would usually be the the moniker, but we would also, you know, not, 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 not all palettes, not all prog developers or whatever you want to call them in our scene would even manipulate the AOL client with ResEdit. A lot of them were just a palette, you know, and the palette would be a, just a little, little floating window. And you could hide it or not hide it, you know, with a hotkey shortcut, whatever. And um, so these would come out and they would be called whatever the hell, right? There's a number of them that you can find for download. Unfortunately, I didn't have time given some other projects, which I really wish I did. But maybe at some point I'll get some screenshots or like video recording and all that of one click actively running. And some of these these uh, palettes that were running. One of them, there's a guy who went by White, and he had a couple different ones that were pretty well known. Some of the earlier ones that were pretty well known. And so, anyways, looking through the, the palettes, I wanted to come up with my own. And so, you know, some would be called something hell, and some would just be called whatever, you know, prog or app or script. It's the same, same concept in the PC realm. We named it whatever the heck. And I came up with a concept of I wanted one that would save time. I wanted one that would enable me to do what I wanted to do and not enable me to dick around with stupid things in order to do what I wanted to do. So I thought, you know, the 11 or 12 year old brain was like, I'm gonna call it time hell. And the idea is that you're in, and I, but when it first started up, I, I had not yet seen a palette that would animate, if you will. Cause it was just a palette. It was supposed to be a palette with buttons. But one of the things I found in EasyScript was a way To click on a button or 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 even a keystroke, whatever, right? And what it would do is it would you could manipulate the buttons and their visibility on the screen and then actually move them pixel wise. So some some palette came out with something where it was like a button would go from one place to the other. And then I looked at that and I was like, wait, what? Could we make this like slowly move? Like look like it's animating? It looked like crap. Don't get me wrong, but you could. It would. It could happen. And so I had like, at first it would pop up and it would just be like a palette with text and it would say something like, welcome to the time vortex. And if you didn't know the key command to press, you wouldn't know, they wouldn't do anything. Or then again, you could just go check the script editor and be like, oh, that's the keys I need to press. like duh. But if you press the key combination, all of a sudden the buttons would show up. And then someone in the the um, the scene found a way, a way to make it so that you could have a, a palette that would slide out it would, look, it would look like it's sliding out. In other words, you could have buttons but not have the entire thing visible on the palette. So you would just change the size of the palette, basically the size and location of it, but it would make it seem like things were sliding out and like different sections, if you will, that were opening up, right? In a VB form, it's, it's much more you know, of an obvious idea and it's actually built to, to design that way with different forms and how they interact with one another. In this case, you're just manipulating what's viewable and what's not at a given time. So my idea behind Time Hell was take all the cool stuff that I had seen, take all the ideas that I had at the time, and it's all the same crap we've seen year year after year. It's it's all the same stupid things, you know, breaking into rooms, a mass mailer, you know, whatever the heck it was. My big thing was not just QA, but error checking, because things either worked or they didn't, and many times they just didn't work, and you had to try them over and over and over and over and over. With different people's tools because there was no error handling whatsoever there's no error checking or error handling so i found ways to do things like check a window name to see if it spawned within a certain amount of time and if it didn't spawn well that shit didn't work we're going to try that again right so at the time i wasn't seeing that a lot and i thought i had this great idea we're going to save ourselves time by having our tool check itself which Again, any developer these days, you're like, yeah, stupid. That's, <laughs> that's how you make a, a program. Like, what the hell? But we didn't have that back then, at least in the Maxine, scene. It, we really didn't. And so I had this idea that I was going to be this amazing tool developer and that I was going to build something that everyone could go, oh, wow, like this really works. And I could get people interested to work with me. And that's one of the things I also wanted to do. It wasn't just build a name for myself because what 11 to 13-year-old doesn't want to build a name for themselves online? Duh, right? But also it was a, I want to be part of the community. I want to play with the big boys and gals, right? I I want to earn their respect, but I want to work with them. So my thought, my thought, and this is, again, the brain of 11, 12-year-old, was if I show them that I have something that's unique, I could get them to work with me on time help. It may have been a great idea. It may have been a completely asinine, stupid little child idea. <laughs> I'll never know because I ran into a major, major problem that eventually shaped who I am today. And, and that's why we're here with this, essentially this origin story podcast, right? But that was the idea. I had a working tool and I had some error checking. I was looking for windows, window names, and I was also integrating it with Apple Script so that I could play sounds from the AOL client. And I was doing things with ResEdit where I could have a patch to ResEdit where I would add in some SMD files to ResEdit, or excuse me, to the AOL client itself, and then I'd be able to click something in one click, and it would manipulate that resource via Apple Script in the client. So it was like I had all these lofty ideas that I wasn't seeing yet in the scene, and I thought I was cool, and then I was going to be cool, and then I ended up being a fool.
1: So... (laughs) surf kahuna had built a program and he thought he met a new online buddy just like how you had a buddy before right and this buddy was going to help you beta test it and then you then you were going to, like everyone everyone would know who surf surf kahuna was and um it would be super awesome right that that was the plan and and then what happened
0: you nailed it a hundred percent that was the exact plan in my mind at the time and I wanted to produce something that was polished. So I found someone online. I, I wasn't really looking for someone. It was just someone in the scene. And honestly, I don't remember his name. I don't remember where he was from. I don't remember a damn thing about him whatsoever to this day. And I truly believe it is the number one example in my personal life of, as they say, blocking something out. Um, I, you know, I'm sure that I'll, at some point I'll be on a, you know, a chair in some psychology, in some psych's office and they'll be like, I'm gonna count backwards. And I'll be like, his name is John, <laughs> that bastard. <laughs> I'm sure. But I, it's weird that I don't remember much, but what I do remember is we found each other because there was some mass mail and we were both trying to get on it and we both didn't get on it. And then we were like, I'll help you get the next one. And he said, I'll help you get the next one. I was like, cool. So if you remember mass mails, it was, you know, this is before the, really even before the IRC days where it'd be like, you know, uh, type in bang, burp, burp, and, you know, the server will respond to you via DCC chat, and then we could do whatever you want and get your files, right? It didn't work that way on AOL. It was like, hey, I'm doing a mass mail. Type this in. I've got X number of spots available, or, it sucks for you. Because you couldn't send mail to X, over X number of people at a time on AOL. I don't remember what that number was. I don't know if you do. What It was something chintzy right 50 i don't know what it was thousand even but whatever it was you would miss mass mails so they'd be announced in our certain chats you know and if you didn't get on it you'd be like damn and you would think your world was going to end you know just because that one mass mail you'd be like what was going to be in there oh tools and programs and different progs and porn <laughs> like you never knew what you were missing out on so we were trying to help each other out we started just communicating online and we started sending each other tools back and forth and it was someone that I grew to trust over a matter of, you know, it took, back then it took weeks, right? Your best buddies online. So when I decided I'm gonna push forward with this, I'm gonna spend a lot of time on this, then I brought him in to help me. And he was an amazing resource for beta testing and for giving me feedback. And we worked together for, I wanna say it was a solid six months because I was in sixth grade at this time. I was, I guess, 12 going on to 13. If not, actually, by this time, I might have been right around 13. Yeah, I was around 13. So I was, uh, and it's funny because I have a daughter who's 11 now, and I'm thinking about all the things I was doing at that age. I'm like, oh, crap. (laughs) Oh, no. But I had all these things that we were working on, and we were trying to keep it hush-hush. We were not advertising, like, there's these cool new things we're doing that we're really not seeing. Or we weren't really going like, hey, this is going to be the best of the best of the best because we wanted to be able to say, hey, by the way, this is going to be the best, the best, the best, and you'll see it in like, you know, a couple days. And that's, that's what we were going for. So I had all the faith and trust in the world in this person. Uh, and uh, that was misplaced, it turns out. So anyone who grew up on a Mac or even if you use Macs now as a, as your daily driver, right? You, most people think Macs don't get malware, right? Well, how would Mac get malware? There's no Mac malware. Well, viruses back then, I guess I should say. But well, it turns out uh, that they did. And I really didn't know that. I really didn't focus on that. It wasn't something that was ever a thing to me, right? So I had spent all these all this time and just like I had my baby. I had my little time hell, and I actually I remember I called it version 0.9 beta. 0.9b, 0.9 because I didn't want to call it 1.0 because it wasn't quite there, but I I wanted the masses to see it, and then I was gonna. Use that feedback to make version 1.0. That was a big thing for me. So zero V0.9, lowercase b. That's the way I styled it. I'll remember it to this day. I can't remember the guy's name, but I remember that. And I was like, here it is. Like, yes. We were going to release it as a Stuff It archive. Stuff It is, that sounds funny to say out loud. That is a term from the old Mac scene. So Stuff It was a group, Aladdin, Aladdin, right? Was who made that? I think so. Um, was a Yeah, a .sit or sit was a compression archive type that the Mac users used for uh, hell, all the way up until basically OSX, to be honest. Like you'd buy commercial software and it would come as a .sit file on disk sometimes, right? So we didn't use zips, we didn't use uh, TARS or gzip, we used sit files. And so in that sit, there was going to be the palette. There was going to be a readme and there was going to be the patch for AOL. And it was going to be as simple as that, right? we were going to start mass mailing it around. We made some ASCII art behind it. Like I manually did some ASCII art stuff and time hell version, you know, beta released to the public. And I was just like, so excited. Here it is. This is my moment. People are going to know who I am. Yes. Right. Obviously, anyone listening up to this point, you're probably thinking, I never heard of Surf Kahuna or Mac Diablo. Like, who's this fool? Right? Oh, I don't think I mentioned Mac Diablo yet. Um, more of that, coming up about five minutes here. But who the hell was a Surf Kahuna guy? Well, there's a reason you never heard of me. <laughs> and here it is. We released the software in a mass mail one day, and I was so, like, emotional that I was, like, breathing, like, heavy, and I was just like, oh, here it is. I'm shaking with anticipation, right? And lo and behold... It wasn't very long until the first person started scrolling, not just mentioning, but scrolling, you know, every minute or whatever the hell. And all the damn chats that I was in, that I was popping in and out of, you know, um, that time hell is a virus and that Surf Kahuna is trying to basically shut down your PC. You they didn't have a, a solid grasp on really what viruses even were, you know, but so just like, basically, this is pure crap. It's a hoax. Stay away from it. Don't touch it. And it was constantly being scrolled. And I started to freak out immediately for obvious reasons. And I didn't know what the hell was going on. Without going into all the, you know, what happened over the next 48 hours, what basically had happened is that the person who was I was working with, who I had all the trust and faith in the world in, found a way to implant a virus into time hell. And I was too young i guess at the time maybe it was just the max scene i i didn't i never even thought a virus would be a potential problem and that i didn't even have an antivirus client or agent on my machine like why the hell would i <laughs> i was running mac os you know early version of mac os 7 why would i have that so turns out there was a virus called mdef and if you just look up mdef apple you'll probably find Well, yeah, that's actually a data type, but you'll eventually see the MDEF virus. You can also just type in MDEF virus. And this, it infects the menu definition of resource forks, which is why it was called MDEF, by the way, because MDEF stands for menu define. And it was basically a resource that was included in with the patch that we had provided. And it wasn't necessarily even something that would be a massive problem if you look up what MDEF does and you're like, okay, well, that's not that big of a damn deal, right? What the problem was is that all of a sudden it was just spitting out on all these machines that this is infected with a virus. That was really the problem, right? So the effects of it, it's pretty damn simple. Um, Antivirus would pick it up and say that you couldn't remove it, you couldn't fix the problem, and people just started freaking out and stopping and deleting everything. So my mass mails were all shut down. Everything was rebuked. And my name was just completely... Everyone for a minute, definitely in the Mac scene, knew who Surf Kahuna was because he was the asshole who was trying to ruin the scene. That's who I became at the time. And I was trying to do the exact opposite. So you can imagine that uh, it just absolutely blew apart my little world. And I literally had my first occurrence of, like, depression... When I say like depression, let me, let me replace that with depre- like legit outright damn depression. I wasn't getting out of bed. I was fucked up, dude. It, it hurt. That shit hurt, man. And uh, I basically trusted someone who I shouldn't have. And I also was not trained enough, intelligent enough, however you want to put it, to recognize what was going on until it was too late. And that's why no one has ever heard of time hell. The project completely died after that. It was basically pointless to try to continue in any way, shape, or form. And I was just, I was just stuck. You know, I would go online and I would get people instant messaging me, telling me what a piece of shit that I was. And it was just, it's the whole, everything sucked. That was my online persona. Back then I felt like that's who I was in the digital realm. Because that it is, it was. And that person was seen as a piece of shit in the community. And I had to live with that. And it sounds funny now, but then it was it was, it was serious. It sucked. It sucked,
1: sucked, sucked.
0: <laughs>
1: it sucked but a lot. then, like a phoenix. You were reborn as Mac Diablo. So you you had the idea like, OK, well, I obviously can't be surf kahuna anymore. Did you get did your mom give you the, the new handle or did you come up with the Mac Diablo on your own? Or?
0: That sounds funny. It sounds almost like a diss. It's like, did your mommy help you with that? First off, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was <laughs> joking. My mommy did help me. <laughs> oh, that's the funny thing. It's like, yeah, yeah, she totally did. I'm, now I'm 13. I don't think I was 14 yet, but I'm 13. I still was like, hey, mom, I got to pick a new name. Um, so there's, there's something that we actually passed over that occurred before moving to Mac Diablo. So I'm trying to deal with being this person And over a number of weeks, people were forgetting, or at least, you know, again, most of the Maxine, if you ask, do you remember Surf Kahuna, they're they're not going to even remember. So I guess it wasn't that, it wasn't like documented in the annals of, you know, uh, freaking news groups, (laughs) alt dot whatever, AOL, you know, Surf Kahuna is a piece of shit. You know, it didn't get that bad. Um, But I was trying to stick with my name. I was trying to, you know, after being so depressed, my my mom was uh, like... I literally went to counseling because of this, like, no joke. My mom took me to counseling and was like, my kid's all fucked up. (laughs) What's wrong with my kid? And I was trying to explain to her, but I mean, how's a parent going to understand that? Especially back in those days.
1: Did she think think your buddy had anything to do with this? The the, the one she thought was a tusher. She's like, like, was it him? Did he do this? That is so
0: hilarious that you say that. I've never thought about that, but Holy shit. I bet she did. (laughs) Oh my God. That's horrible, dude. (laughs)
1: So the virus, is he the virus? What oh. happened?
0: I know, right? Is he the virus? What's, who, what, what do you do to my baby?
1: <laughs> what oh, he man. implant? <laughs> I, can't wait. I can't wait. Oh,
0: that's good. I can't wait to tell my mom that. She's going to laugh so hard she's going to cry. Okay, so I'm trying, to, I'm trying to stick it out. And then a couple weeks later, you know, this actually may have been a month or two later. I was really trying. You know, I'm literally in counseling at this point. And I'm trying to tell the counselor, like, look, it's, I, I don't know how to explain this shit to you. So it was the counselor, by the way, who kept trying to tell me, like, well, you just need to, you know, not be that person anymore. Like, just be someone else. And back then, I, even now, you know, with if you work in an in infosec information security or cybersecurity like I do now and have for many years reinventing yourself. That's not like that's not a thing. You don't read. What What are you talking about? So anywho, I stick it out, maybe maybe a solid two plus months after this, all of a sudden. I tried to log on to AOL one day and um, I can't get online. It says my account has been um, suspended. Right. And I'm like all the stupid shit that I've done. And all of a sudden I get suspended. Like what happened? So my assumption was that someone who had, you know, had to deal with the, the little virus that I sent to everyone and thought I was just the worst person ever reported me to, you know, toss or, you know, someone right at uh, cat team, whoever the hell. And, that that got my account suspended, right? That's what I thought. So I call up support. And this is, by the way, probably the best part of this, (laughs) this origin story about dealing with the situation. It's just so stupid. But turns out my account was suspended because it had been used, quote unquote, it had been used. Okay. Bear with me. In a massive phishing campaign. Now, Long story short, without going into all, how I found it all out and had to deal with support and how I had to do my research and all this other crap, you know, back in the day, going to Outlook Express and simply just changing the reply to email address and the display name was quote unquote spoofing an email, right? That was like high tech spoofing, you know, this email was sent by Surf Kahuna uh, and if, you know, at awl.com and if you hit reply, your reply goes to Surf Kahuna. So obviously Surf Kahuna sent the email, you Now, duh. And basically that's what happened and the phishing attempt when I mean there were emails sent in that in that manner to thousands thousands of people on AOL no idea how they were targeted or, or what that target set was if they were just people in random you know chats or I, I never found that out but people had reported me and AOL actually the support crew read out over the phone they're like yeah here's the email and they started reading it out and it was just a perfect example of 90s phishing but it wasn't just for passwords it was for the entire fucking personal identities of people so it was um, saying something about a government program that you're in violation of and in order to fix that you have to send the following and the following was like fucking might as well send a blood and stool sample man (laughs) everything dude we're talking like name last three living locations social security number any credit cards you have their credit card numbers it wasn't just one credit card like what do you use to pay for AOL no 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 no. it was like everything something that you'd think 99% of people at least in this day would see and be like are you kidding me like this is so stupid well okay so I had to fight against the fact that I didn't do that that's one and I had to do it with support on the line, I was very surprised. I actually got them eventually to decide you did not do this. Their fix to you did not do this. Now, keep in mind, my name had been dragged through the mud and I was the asshole of the community of the of the Mac community. Right. I'm hoping at least I'm hoping, but also not hoping that some listener out there is going, oh, you're that asshole. <laughs> you're surfing. I'm like, no, I really wasn't an asshole. I swear I wasn't an asshole. But. You know, I went from that to now this. And so now I'm like, well, that's cool. Like, even further so, Surf Kahuna, whoever that is, is a massive piece of shit, right? It's just a horrible human being. I'm like, fucking great. So, and the Shyamalan twist, I did it all. <laughs> <kidding>. <laughs>
1: okay. no, wait, this is just like mail header. Like So, I mean, actually, that's yeah. part of the RFC, right? The reply to and, and all that. And if they look, yep. if looked at the headers, like they did, the they, they would yeah. know
0: they saw blatantly. yeah exactly they saw blatantly where it actually originated and had it, not at all was but was
1: somebody took the time to collect all of these names yep and then they decided i'm gonna write this email so it almost sounds like somebody had like a like a mac termer or something and and they like clicked the term button on you and then it just sent a bunch of emails yep and some of you may have already guessed but guess who it was Oh, so this is not the same. This is not the original virus guy. You're saying this is another person who was mad at you for, for.
0: No, no, it was. It was the original virus guy. He came back to make my life even more miserable. I found out eventually I found out. Oh, okay. I thought it was someone who was pissed about the virus thing. I thought it was someone who I didn't know. It turns out that this buddy I had online, I have, I have no idea to this day what the hell I did to this person. I was young, I was eager, and I was hungry. And I was like, if I learned something, and we were when we were working together, it was like, look what I found, look what I found, look what I found. And then what did you find today? Like, I was, there was nothing, you know, I wasn't a dickish child, you know what I mean? Like, it was, I just wanted to learn and be cool. I wanted to be cool. And this dude, for whatever reason, decided, like, fuck Ryan. (laughs) Like, fuck Ryan. We're gonna drag this dude into the dirt. I, I still don't know what the hell got, what bug got in this guy's, you know, ass. But so anyways, the uh, the AOL support team eventually decided you can have your account back. They re-enabled my account. I go to log into my account and I'm finally, this is, it took a while, a week or two, I think, to get, and I'm calling them multiple times a day. I was a kid. That's all I had to do, right?
1: Hey, it's Ryan again. I really need to get on the internet today. Yeah. I what the fuck's going on.
0: <laughs> no, don't get me wrong. Uh, we had, you know, uh, account generators, and we had, you know, my old one of the things that will never leave my memory is the Visa cert number four zero one nine. Four zero one nine was one of the most common uh, seed generation numbers that we'd use for credit card generation back in the uh, at least in the max scene. So I, I always remember four zero one nine, and I had a couple different algorithms and tools I would use. I had accounts at the yin Yang, right? I could get on AOL. I wanted my damn account back. That's what I wanted, and so I get my account back. I log in. My mailbox is full. I go what? I click on my mailbox, and there are a ton. Whatever the maximum amount of email you could have in an AOL inbox was, that's what I had, and it was. I'm I'm making this percentage up, but it was like ninety percent. You know, fuck you. You're a piece of shit. Die in a fire. I've reported you to the FBI. I've told AOL all this stuff. Whatever. And say 10%, like there were hundreds of replies that gave me all the fucking information. (laughs) I'm not shitting you here. And I don't mean like someone's like, wow, here's my social and my address, but for the rest of it, you know, no, 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 I mean, I had so much PII in my inbox, so much. AOL didn't do a damn thing to try to delete it. And the funny thing was, the first thing I, well, the first thing I did is I called them and I was like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> you know, as a, what, at the time, 13, maybe 14 year old, you know, I'm just like, how stupid are you guys? Like, what are you doing? So that was one thing. I immediately started to realize, well, this name has really got to go now, right? There's, there's no way I can continue to be this person. Because then whenever I was online with that account, I would get instant messages and we're, I was no longer getting it from the scene. I was now getting it from these people who were fished. Right. Uh, whether it was successful, I had some people just being like, hey, is that all taken care of? <laughs> like I gave you all my shit.
1: What did you say to them?
0: Uh, I never responded to any of them. I didn't know what the hell to say. And I was basically scared of legal shit. You know, I didn't know what to deal with at that age. I was like, let me just let AOL know. And my mom was like, you know, I told my mom all about this. shit. I was like, This could be like, I don't know if we're, I'm gonna get arrested. Like, I don't know, you know, but I don't know what the hell to expect. So she started taking notes. She started contacting lawyers like we didn't we didn't know what the hell to do at the time, you know.
1: What um, kind of idiot sends information to someone named Surf Kahuna? Oh, my like, God. Like, oh, this seems legitimate. Sense- to Surf Kahuna. oh, so much information. Oh, my God.
0: And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, well, I already double-clicked on one of these, you know, and I just read through it. Holy shit, dude. This is like your, I could trace your fucking family lineage with it. Like, it was so crazy. So, I start mass-deleting the emails, and then more come in. I mass-delete. More come in. They're still coming in. And I'm like, what the fuck? So, I don't remember back in AOL. I don't remember if someone had a full email box and you tried to email them, would it tell you their email was full? Would it take the email and then SMTP would would queue it for delivery
1: later? I don't remember how their email system worked. But there's the mail bombs, right? The whole point of the mail bomb was to fill up your mailbox so you couldn't get any more yes, email. Yes, exactly. The retry is like 72 hours, right? For SMTP. I don't remember. I don't remember how they had their, their relays set up. I'm saying I don't remember.
0: I didn't know. At the time, you know, I I work in cybersecurity now. I deal with SMTP relays and phishing attacks all the fucking time. But back then, I had no idea how that all worked. All I know is that, you know, two weeks after the fact, I finally get my account back. I delete whatever thousand, ten thousand, whatever it was, emails, and they keep fucking rolling in. (laughs) And I'm talking rolling in like the, you know, fuck you, you piece of trash. And the here's all my information. They just kept rolling in. So I eventually called in. My mom got on the phone. She started talking, you know, legal bullshit. Like a parent who's freaking the hell out, especially in the 90s. Right. You know, would do in this situation. Duh. You know, and eventually they were like, do you want to just like shut this shit down? I'm like, yes, fucking (laughs) kill it. Kill it with fire. That is what led to me and my mommy (laughs) coming up with the name Mac Diablo. Mac Diablo came from the con so she was trying to push the concept see i remember a lot of these things and i don't remember the fucking guy's name who completely destroyed me as a child right who destroyed not just my online ryan but like me as a person for a couple like a solid year this my little world up god it sounds sad saying it out loud but i mean that's why we're here right to tell the story so she was all about phoenix you know, you're the rising phoenix out of the ashes kind of that makes sense right and i was like ah, i don't want to be a fucking bird So (laughs) what I came up with, what we came up with together was that I was going to be the Macintosh devil. And where that really came from was I felt like a fucking victim because I was, I was an absolute victim, you know, um, which by the way, some people might be piecing together. Oh shit. This guy works incident response these days. He helps victims. Yeah, no shit. (laughs) Like that's where I'm getting with this, but I was an absolute online victim, right? And I wanted to not have a victim persona. So I didn't want to be the Phoenix who was beaten and battered and, and, and all that shit. I wanted to be the Mac devil. I wanted to have a bit of a panache to the name, if you will. And so I came up with Mac Diablo and my mom and I, excuse me, came up with Mac Diablo. I made that name. I popped into the scene and I took a backseat from that point. I, I did not engage with anyone. I didn't trust anyone. I learned from those that, that overall experience, many, many, they were negative at the time, but ended up being very positive things, but it destroyed who I was in that environment. Eventually, when I moved over to IRC slash hotline, Oh gosh, hotline was the business. When I you know moved away from AOL, then actually for a while, I was still using AOL as my ISP before I got DSL. So don't get me wrong. I was still dialing in, right? But I was using then the PvP connect, uh, peer-to-peer connect on the, the old Mac days um, to actually just connect to, quote-unquote, the internet, right? Not AOL's internet. And uh, started doing hotline and IRC stuff. But anyway, when I moved over there, then that's when I let Mac Diablo shine wherever I could, you know? And I would engage with people and I was communicative and all that. Very few people, uh, I never wanted anyone to know never not a damn person outside of me and my mommy (laughs) that mac diablo was surf kahuna because to me that was just you know like it was a burned identity you know just like a a special agent's like nah that's burned man like that was beyond burn and I, i never wanted it to relate and this is the first time i've ever even publicly been like yeah this is exactly what happened this is how stupid it was but yet this is how much it affected me at that young age
1: next time on aol underground
0: it's like, you look at these exploit writers who are on these darknet forums. I'm not in there talking with them about, oh, I found a, another Stack Overflow and a rock chain gadget to fuck over a VMware product. Let's use it to bring down companies and install ransomware. Fuck that. Rather, I'm like, hey, some asshole is exploiting known vulnerabilities in VMware Horizon. You know, let's go fucking help people who have that system and are about to be hit or have just been hit. Like, fuck that AOL guy. <laughs> fuck, fuck the AOL guy, basically. Oh. <laughs>
1: Welcome to cyberspace.